This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Violent crime is soaring in cities large and small, but a research project has shown that providing financial help and behavioral therapy to those most likely to commit crimes reduces the future risk of criminal behavior. We tried to find not even an average young man engaged in crime, but someone who was really one of the most likely shooters. 2,500 people who were the most likely to shoot in the city. Then, parents who instill an entrepreneurial outlook in their children give them a can-do attitude that serves them well in adulthood, helping them achieve success. Parents need to open their eyes and realize that their kids could do this and it could make them a lot happier in their life. Those two stories and more are ahead on this week's show. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. There's a violent crime wave impacting cities large and small. What's the answer to reducing criminal behavior? It may only require two things, cash and cognitive behavioral therapy. Here with the story, InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. As many Americans are sick and tired of crime in their cities, there's a renewed emphasis on ways to steer men at high risk away from violence and crime. Now, a program in Chicago called Ready that provides jobs and behavior therapy shows promise. A similar program in Liberia produced favorable results that lasted 10 years. Joining us now with more is Professor Chris Blattman, economist at the University of Chicago's Harris School of Public Policy. His recent book is Why We Fight, The Roots of War and the Paths to Peace. He helped design and evaluate the program, READY. Professor, do you feel that the program READY can be successful over the long term? I realize that's a speculative question, but what are your thoughts? Well, we know it was successful over the short term in the sense that we've just followed up the men who went through this program just a few months after they finished it. It was 18 months long. And we haven't seen improvements across all measures, but we've seen some pretty dramatic improvements. A 20% fall in victimizations by being shot, and an almost two-thirds fall in homicide arrests. And so this is just incredibly promising. It's not as precise and as perfect as we'd like it to be, but we're hopeful about the long-run results. So that was a study, by the way, I should mention, tracking 2,500 men who attended the 18-month READY program. Tell us about what services men who enroll in the READY program receive. The most important thing to know is that we tried to find not just an average young man and not even an average young man engaged in crime, but someone who was really one of the most likely shooters, basically 2,500 people who were the most likely to shoot in the city. So the most important service is, in some sense, simply having the on-the-ground social workers who can not only identify these guys and find them and reach out to them, but just relentlessly engage with them every day just to get them to the job site and just to get them to the therapy. Because the core is providing them this 18-month transitional job. They start out maybe picking up trash in the park. Eventually, they might work in a factory or an office. Plus, they get these 10 hours of therapeutic services. But because of the kinds of men we're recruiting into this program, there's just this all wraparound relentless engagement just to get them in the door every day. 
And I believe the data showed that a third of the men in that program had been shot at before they joined up, and they racked up an average of 17 arrests. So we're talking about a pretty hardcore group here, aren't we? Yes. In fact, we ran this as a randomized control trial, meaning half of them received the offer of the program by lottery, which meant that there was a group that didn't receive the offer. And in these first 20 months of results, we actually found that one in 10 of those men were shot in this comparison group. And that just sort of goes to show just the extraordinary level of risk that some people are subject to. And to spotlight one of the results, one man named Sylvester, who spent 13 years in prison before entering Ready, he earned $15 an hour with that job, and also he went to the therapy sessions, and now he wants to go into social work. Is a result like that typical or sustainable? Well, we'll find out, first of all. I wouldn't say it's typical, because I think a lot of the guys who we offer the program to refuse it and a lot of them start and drop out. So this isn't a magic solution for everybody. But the point is that there's a substantial number of people who end up like him. The whole point of this program is to offer people a path to a different life. And it won't work for everyone, but it works for enough that we estimate, you know, with super early results, because we've just been collecting the data, we sort of see at least three to one, maybe a seven to one benefit to cost ratio here. And so that's because of these success stories like him. We're visiting with Professor Chris Blattman at the University of Chicago's Harris School of Public Policy. The school did a study of men taking part in an anti-violence program that has reported some success. As you know, Professor, Chicago's mayor has budgeted over $14 million for similar programs. Do you feel the funding overall will save Chicago money in terms of less violence and less crime? Absolutely. I'm really heartened. I've spent a career studying violence in Sub-Saharan Africa, in Latin America, among rebel groups, among organized crime, here among gangs. And the first thing you do in a lot of these other places is you invest in mediation. The next thing you do is you're trying to interrupt and stop violence, whether it's peacekeeping troops or whether it's community interveners. And U.S. cities have just steadily resisted that kind of mediation and that kind of interruption. They do it sometimes, but they did it unreliably. And then they certainly weren't doing these kinds of programs that were getting people on a path to a different life, reintegration. And so finally, we are investing in our cities in these efforts that I think are proven elsewhere. And I think we're starting to build the proof here. And it's not a magic solution, but I think it's going to actually help an immense amount, provided we keep putting money in these places. And I mentioned earlier, and you're hinting at it here, that a program like this was run in the African nation of Liberia. In addition to getting therapy and payments, the men would rehearse, quote unquote, trying on new identity. Talk about that and tell us what that involved. So this is true in Chicago, and this was true in Liberia. We're talking about men in both places who have never had a regular job, maybe outcasts who are socialized to use violence in their everyday lives. And the way they handle a threatening or difficult situation is through hostility and aggression, punching, shooting. That's the environment that they grew up in. And it might have even been the best thing they could have done for themselves to protect themselves. 
And when you're offering someone a new life, like with a job or with, in Liberia, we were giving them cash to start a business, you need help to sort of learn to be a normal person. It's a set of practice. And that's what cognitive behavioral therapy is at root. It's practice, it's baby steps, it's just learning to control your anger, learning to manage social situations, learning to behave a little bit differently, a little bit every day, practice, practice, practice. And a lot of the men who go through this successfully learn it. And you tracked down men who received the therapy in cash in the Liberian program 10 years after they went through it. What did you find about their crime and violence record? The first thing we found is that everyone, those who received the intervention and those that didn't, improved in that first year after the program. A lot of them left these lives of crime and violence. That's great. That means that a lot of young men engaged in this violence will improve on their own, right? They're sort of at their lowest point and things get better, but not all. And what we found is those who had received the cognitive behavioral therapy and especially those who had received the therapy and a $200 cash grant to start a little shoeshine enterprise or something had much deeper falls in drug selling, in thefts. Like just for one example, the number of thefts dropped by about 30 thefts per year from a level of about 60 among the control men. And that sustained itself over almost 10 years. So that's just hundreds and hundreds of thefts avoided. The program cost $500. So we're talking about $1.52 for every crime averted in that program over 10 years. That's amazing. That's a pretty amazing return on investment, I think. Yeah. Why do you suppose the program worked for so long? And I think there was a sense that the cash group, the therapy plus cash, was a key factor. We were surprised, and we surveyed experts, psychologists, other people who had run these kinds of programs before we went back after 10 years. And most people expected the effects to fade away. Maybe that would be true in other groups. I do think these effects of therapy and behavior change can be lasting. What the cash did is, you know, it was just two months of therapy sessions in a group. The day you walked out, if you still had nothing... What choice did you have but to go back to that life of drug selling or pickpocketing or armed robbery or whatever it is that they were doing in Liberia? If you got the cash, you know, it turns out that cash didn't last that long. A year later, your business got washed out or your goods got stolen or the police seized them or, you know, it just failed. But it gave you a way to practice that new life for another three, four, five, six, eight months. And it really, I think, helped them entrench this new identity, entrench these new behaviors. And that's why it lasted. And back to the Chicago program, Ready, do we need more research to find out how well it's working and if there are tweaks required? We definitely need tweaks because, like I said, we didn't see improvements on some other kinds of violent arrests. And those decreases in shootings and those decreases in homicide arrests were big. They're not as statistically precise as we would want to sort of say, charge ahead, everyone should do this. I think we need to investigate who this was working for, what parts of the program worked best, refine it a bit and try it again. And that's exactly what's happening. It's happening in Chicago, Philadelphia is testing it out. And I think if we just refine and test this model a little bit more, I think we're going to find much bigger, much stronger, much more lasting results. But, you know, we'll have to see. Professor Chris Blattman at the University of Chicago's Harris School of Public Policy. Thank you for joining us today and sharing your study. Thank you. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. Next, how to give your kids an entrepreneurial outlook. That story, straight ahead. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this. 